Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to this episode of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Today's guest is Paul Newsom from Swim Smooth. And Paul, back in his younger years, was an elite triathlete in Britain, and he is the he was the British University's triathlon champion. He swam the Rottnest Island swim, and he's also done the English Channel. And he is the head coach of Swim Smooth, with, which operates out of Perth. So welcome to the Paul, the the call Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem, Brenton. Nice to be here today. Um, some of the things I want to to cover today were just the the six different styles of swimming that that you teach through Swim Smooth. Uh, some of the differences between the sprinting stroke and a distance stroke, um, some of the things that you like to do in training to work on technique, um, and then just some of your favorite sets and some of the toys that you like to use in the pool. Absolutely. So, uh, right. Let's, uh, uh, to, to get started, uh, just give me a bit of a background on, on Swim Smooth, how, how to get started and, um, and, and what do you do there. You've got uh, a lot of products and you've got, you also run training squads there. What's, um, what's the background of Swim Smooth? Uh, well, my my own personal background is um, is swim coach. Sorry, is uh, is swimming. Um, I've been swimming since about the age of seven competitively. Um, I got onto got into triathlon when I was about sixteen years of age and um, studied sports and exercise science at uh, Bath University in the UK. At that time, I was part of the British World Class uh, Performance Triathlon team, which was great to be involved with. And I was very fortunate to be coached by some you know, some excellent coaches at the uh, at that time. Um, I moved over to Perth in the start of 2002, uh, emigrated over here, so I've been here just over 10 years now, which has been fantastic, and um, when I first arrived over here, I was actually coaching the largest um, triathlon squad in, in Western Australia, play, uh, a club called Stadium Triathlon Club, and that was a fantastic place to get, find, my, uh, find my coaching feet, if you like, and, um, and get into things, and really Western Australia, as I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the same with yourself, Brenton, over there in, um, over in Victoria. Um, it's just a, an absolute hub or a mecca for um, for open water swimming, for triathlon, for pool swimming. You know, everyone seems to be into it these days. And um, you know, over the years, that, that participation has grown. And back in uh, back in two thousand and four, I decided that uh, I'd like quite like to actually put together a um, a video um, for my triathletes within that squad to actually show them how to actually improve the efficiency of their stroke and basically catalog. Um, a series of drills which we were doing at the time and still continue to do to this day uh, to improve someone's efficiency in the water. So SwimSmooth was sort of officially born, if you like, in, uh, in at the end of 2004 with the release of our first DVD, the SwimSmooth DVD box set. And uh, that continues to sell really well uh, even today. Um, the, the swim types, um, when you mentioned there at the start, the swim, swim type system is something that we've been working on since about 2007, um, sort of middle of 2007, end of, uh, end of that sort of period. And um, that was officially released in, um, in July 2010. So it's about three years of work basically went into the whole swim type system. And it's sort of comical and lighthearted as we try to make it on the, on the website. It has very much a, a sort of serious undertone and, um, in terms of you know, trying to help other coaches and self-coach athletes recognize what it is, the fundamentals of what is holding them back in the water, how they're different from other swimmers, and, uh, and how to actually get them moving forward. So, yeah, Swim Types is really very much at the heart and soul of what we do now with Swim Smooth, and we're very pleased um, within the last two years to actually have uh, rewritten the entire 
um, swim coaching uh, curriculum for the British Triathlon Federation um, over there in the UK. So they actually now are utilizing uh, swim types and swim smooth uh, or our methodologies basically uh, for coaching their coaches. And they have, um, I believe, over over 3,000 registered coaches over there, which is a phenomenal number of number of coaches, you know. Oh, brilliant. And, and for the swimmers that haven't, uh, haven't seen the different swim styles, it's basically uh, uh, the different kinds of categories of, of swimmers. You know, people, not everyone has the same stroke, but it's the different kinds of techniques and strokes that, that each different swimmers, and you've sort of put it down to, to six different kinds. And I think, it, I think it's really good because it, it, uh, it really uh, classifies uh, each type of swimmer really well. And you can, you can usually tell just by looking at your own stroke, you can normally fit yourself quite neatly into one of those categories and then you can go about changing your or improving your technique based on the, the instructions that you give. That, that, yeah, that, that's exactly right. You know, and we wanted, um, I mean, we, we've been very firmly of the belief that, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks, if you like, we recognize that, you know, we've working with the, the sheer number of people that we've been able to, that we've been fortunate enough to work with over the years that, um, <coughs> you know, excuse me, you get um, athletes of all different sort of um, backgrounds and abilities, different physical builds, etc., and even personalities play into this uh, quite significantly as well. And for the coaches that we coach now for our coach education system, taking them through the the personality angle of each of the different swim types is quite interesting because, you know, I, I remember as a as a as a young coach myself being sort of fairly intimidated, I guess, by some of the uh, some of the swimmers that I was coaching. You know, thinking you know they're constantly questioning me. You know, do they think do they really trust what I'm saying, etc. And Whereas other swimmers, you tend to have to take a little bit more of a gentle, subtle approach with them. Other swimmers want a little bit more of a technical uh, conversation with you. Some swimmers just want to get in there and, and you know just have a, a good, hard, solid session, and they're not too interested in the technicalities of, uh, of swimming as so long as they get a good workout. You know, and I think that's I think it's important that we recognise that. And I think at the you know at the very top level of the sport, really. Um, you know, we're sort of seeing two very distinct style of swimmers. Um, you, you've asked the question about, you know, what was the ideal sprinting stroke and the ideal distance stroke? Well, I think that's still very much an individual thing. Um, but um, within the swim type system, we have um, at the top of our table, if you like, we have two swim types. One we call the smooth, which is your classic smooth freestyle stroke, i.e. Ian Thorpe, Grant Hackett, Rebecca Adlington, that sort of stroke where, where you look at and you sort of think, wow, that is effortless you know it looks awesome looks fantastic looks very very smooth but on the flip side of that you know we also recognize that many of the world's best open water swimmers and triathletes tend to swim with a much different uh, style of stroke um janet evans recently has just uh, tried to try out for the u.s olympic team on uh, on a massive comeback and unfortunately she didn't make it but um everyone will sort of recall her stroke as being very very unorthodox at the time very straight arm recovery very high stroke rate Many, many strokes per length. You know, Ian thought maybe 32 strokes per length. Janet Evans around about 50. And yet for many people, they would sort of consider 50 strokes per length to be inefficient. Whereas, you know, they have Janet Evans, world's best swimmer at the, at, in her heyday sort of thing, you know, really sort of going against convention and, and showing how it's done. And more importantly, how the stroke actually worked for her. So, it's very, again, it's very much a, a question of horses for courses. And um, to very quickly um, do a brief summary of the, the different swim types, which can be looked at in a little bit more depth at swimtypes.com. We have um, our classic swimmer to start the, the swim types, which is the Arnie. And this is the, the sort of classic swimmer who looks like they're actually fighting the water. They've maybe had a team sport playing background. They, um, 
They want to uh, sort of get down the pool as fast as they possibly can. They tend to be having uh, have very, very low sinking legs in the water. This swimmer knows that if they uh, grab a pool boy or pop a wetsuit on, it has a significant improvement in their uh, in their swimming speed and, uh, and their uh, relative efficiency in the water. These swimmers need to work on uh, essentially on improving their body position, potentially slowing down their stroke rate a little bit and working on lengthening out their freestyle stroke. So the sort of conventional swimming coaching model, you know, lengthen out the stroke, slow down the stroke rate, can work very, very well for the Arnie swim type. Um, our next swim type is the Bambino. Now, Bambino is almost the, the lower-powered version of the Arnie. These swimmers aren't quite so competitively driven, uh, potentially, as the, as the Arnie. Um, they've also had a very, very limited swimming background. They tend to have uh, maybe sometimes even have a little bit of nervousness or fear of, of getting in the, uh, in the water. Um, their swim stroke is actually characterized by the fact that when they go to take a breath to the side, typically the lead arm will simply slip and drop down uh, underneath the water, not give them any sort of support at all. It gives the impression that they almost look like they're climbing out of the water and everything just looks very, very panicky. Um, and certainly within the squad situation, you know, uh, the Bambinos are often quite nervous to actually attend a squad situation. That shouldn't be the case, obviously. And, um, by uh, by showing the bambino what they need to do to improve the timing and rhythm of the stroke, then then things can be really improved quite well. And bambinos generally really really enjoy the the challenge of swimming. Um, in a different sort of sense to the army being competitively driven, usually the, the bambinos is is very much into it for you know maybe sort of health reasons and and just wanting to strive to do better for themselves. Um, we have the kicktastic. Now, uh, certainly, I, I remember as a kid going going up through the uh, British swimming system. You know, we used to do endless kicking sets and etc. within the squad. So many kicktastics have generally got a, a strong swimming background, and they've maybe developed a stroke which has a very very propulsive freestyle leg kick, but maybe is lacking a little bit in the catch department at the front end of the stroke. So they tend to resort to utilising the leg kick maybe a little bit too much. And certainly for open water swimming and for triathlon, uh, obviously conservation of energy from the legs is, is very, very important indeed. Um, these swimmers are often the ones who, uh, during a pool boy set, if you give them a pool boy, they often, often slow down quite dramatically within the group. So the Arnie often swims faster because the pool boy gives them good, better body position, whereas the kicktastic tends to swim a bit slower because they've taken away their leg kick. Um, they also often find swimming in a wetsuit a little bit sort of um, uh, awkward in that they, the, wetsuit, the buoyancy of the wetsuit can lift the legs a little bit too high in the water. Um, so kicktastics often need to work on their, um, on their catch development and, uh, and improving, improving that aspect of the stroke. And one fairly, you know, fairly famous uh, athlete that we work with, um, certainly within the Ironman fraternity here in Australia, is, is, a, um, is an athlete called Kate Bevilacqua. And she would have been a classic kicktastic when she first came to uh, join in with the squad. And um, Kate has won you know, a couple of Ironmans around the world, including Ironman Western Australia. And um, over the last 18 months, we've helped to get, it down, get her Ironman time down from 62 minutes down to 53 minutes, which has had a, had a profound impact on, on how well she's swimming and, um, you know, and racing as well. So that's been a, been a good challenge to work with. Um, our fourth swim type is the overglider. Um, now, obviously, a lot of conventional swim coaching programs sort of um, purport that um, you should be trying to lengthen out the freestyle stroke as much as you possibly can, trying to reduce how many take, strokes you take per length in an effort to improve the efficiency of the stroke. But what we find time and time again is sometimes this, this advice is literally being taken way too literally. Um, I had a chap at uh, Challenge Stadium in Perth um, about a year ago who um, he said, I'm just not getting any faster, I don't know what's wrong, I swim five times per week, do five sessions uh, I've been doing that for five years, sorry. 
Um, and just before he set off for me to film him, he said, I, I still can't break 25 minutes for a kilometre, so 2 minutes 30 per 100. And he said, I just can't get it because I can do 28 strokes per 50 metres, and that's better than Ian Thorpe. Those were his words. Yeah. Ian Thorpe taking around about 31, 32 strokes per 50 metres. And he said, I just don't get it. Now, what was obviously happening with this guy, he was, he was almost swimming a complete catch-up style of stroke, you know, so the hands were just waiting out in front of his head. He was actually decelerating, didn't recognize that this was causing his legs to drop down in the water. And his stroke rate, uh, strokes per minute, was 33 strokes per minute, whereas he thought would have been 76 strokes per minute. So when we see these great Olympians like Ian Thorpe, and it was a fantastic, I don't know if you saw it, Brent, in the... Um, the ABC um, uh, documentary about Ian Thorpe at the weekend. When you see his uh, stroke, they often to be look like they often look like they have this very very long, smooth freestyle stroke, um, and you know they're taking few strokes per lap. But there is a limit to how long you want to make that stroke. And unfortunately, the overglider, often being quite sort of um, technically minded, you know, wanting to do the right thing and uh, very analytical in their approach, can push this angle a little bit too far, and um, and unfortunately end up having quite a sort of surgy stroke with a lot of dead spots or delays at the front end. It's very classic to see this swimmer dropping their elbow and actually presenting the palm of the hand forward, creating a bit of a blocking effect when they uh, do so. Uh, and that brings us on to our, then our final two swim types. Um, obviously, we mentioned the smooth several times. So when we think of a, an efficient freestyle stroke, we often think of the smooth style. This style often suits um, um, pool swimmers, um, very good pool swimmers. It's classic high elbow recovery, relaxed shoulders, that long, smooth, efficient freestyle stroke. But the biggest single difference, I guess, between the smooth and the overglider is that whilst the smooth is actually lengthening forward, they never actually pause, stop, and do nothing at the front end of the stroke. That's one of the reasons why we, you know, we, we term we have a little term sort of that uh, glide is a dirty word. And what, essentially what we mean by this is that many people's perception of the word glide is to actually pause, stop, and do nothing momentarily at the front end of the stroke. Um, you know, and when you see the Olympians swimming, they do extend at the front end of the stroke. They do have that long, smooth freestyle stroke. But it's important to recognize that they don't actually pause at the front end. They're actually setting up for a good catch initiating the catch and pressing, starting to press the water back. And uh, I've certainly seen some of your, your videos there, Brenton, with some of the elite guys that you've worked with um, over there in Victoria, and you can certainly see that within their strokes. They do have that sort of continuation, that flow and rhythm within their stroke, and, you know, they're, they're, they're fantastic technicians, basically. So the smooth is a very, very sort of enviable stroke style, and what we often find, and this sort of came across a little bit in that Ian Thorpe documentary at the weekend, was that um, from a personality perspective, the, the smooth has grown up in the pool they've been the envy of the pool basically but sometimes you know maybe uh, maybe had a little bit of a um, time out of the pool and sometimes motivation to get back in the pool and follow that black line up and down can be a bit of an issue for the smooth and um, you know trying to sort of set new challenges as a coach um, you know keeping the variety there trying to make something uh, new and exciting for the smooth is, is is the key thing to really work on and um, you know we do encourage quite a few of the guys who've actually sort of finished their pool swimming careers over here to you know maybe look at the the prospect of uh, taking up triathlon or open water swimming um, our own uh, Mr. Smooth John Van Hazel who is our um, who we used as a base for the animation Mr. Smooth um, is a you know he went to the Athens Olympics for 50 freestyle a great freestyle stroke and now we're just trying to challenge Jono with a few Ironmans and stuff and doing something completely different and that really engages him once he, uh, you know, once he gets into that, which is great. 
Um, and then, obviously, finally, the, the final swim type, sw- uh, the swinger, um, often suits slightly shorter swimmers, so shorter stature, shorter arms. Um, I'm personally a swinger myself. Um, years, years and years and years ago in the pool, I used to f- feel like I could never really get a good sprint. Um, you know, I never seemed to be very good at 50 or 100 metres freestyle. Um, but given the opportunity to do something longer, like a 400 or a 1500 metres freestyle, I seem to be significantly better at those distances. But obviously, as a kid growing up, you know, 10, 12, 13 years old sort of thing, very, very rarely do you actually get the opportunity to do that. And sometimes, you know, some of the swingers out there who maybe younger kids sort of thing who don't really excel in the sprint distance at fraternity um, can sort of like get overlooked a little bit. Um, we, you know, we want to sort of make sure that um, that those guys get encouraged as well through the system. So characterizing their stroke is a much straighter arm recovery typically, often a two-beat leg kick, a much higher stroke rate. Um, so typically, whereas Ian Thorpe might be 76 strokes per minute, some of the world's best swingers and those guys winning the world, uh, winning the um, 10K Marathon Championship, etc tend to have stroke rates in excess of 85 to 90 strokes per minute so it's quite a jump up uh, this gives them a little bit more sort of fluidity and rhythm in rougher conditions so think swimming through chop etc can really uh, really help them in those uh, those situations yeah and it's funny as you go through each of those that uh, as you describe each one i can think of one you know i can think of a swimmer that fits that category so yep. it's, uh, yeah so you've really well done with the classifications of, of the swimming styles there and thanks very much. And in uh, in relation to the Dan Thorpe documentary, it was um, it was really good and really interesting. And um, and one of the things that he spoke about was his needing to change his stroke to become a hundred and two hundred meter freestyle instead of a four hundred uh, freestyler. And uh, can you, what are some of the common things that that you encourage people to do when you want them to when they're training for sprinting? Absolutely. Well, first off, I should probably point out the, the fact that I, I primarily deal with uh, distance freestylers, you know, for, um, for for pool, open water and for triathlon. Um, but in terms of the, the, the sprint stroke, then obviously one of the things that um, Thorpe mentioned on the, on the documentary was how he was actually trying to change the, slightly the rhythm of the stroke. So uh, some of your listeners will probably be familiar with the term front quadrant freestyle swimming. So basically the, the concept of always having one hand out in front of the head at any one point in time. Thorpe was explaining how he he used to, as a 200 and 400 meter freestyle specialist, used to have almost that sort of catch up style of freestyle stroke. But obviously, when you view it in in, uh, in full motion, he's never actually pausing at the front end of the stroke. Um, and what he was explaining with his uh, coach, Gennady Turetsky, was that he was starting to look at what would be classified as more of a rotatory style of freestyle stroke. So basically engaging the catch just a little bit sooner, um, allowing the stroke rate to obviously come up a little bit higher. And, um, you know, and obviously, I suppose effectively, the length of the stroke would shorten down just a little bit. But what's really interesting about that is when you actually put, um, you know, the world's best sprinters up alongside the world's best open water swimmers and triathletes, it's often Often, and we do this in all in all, all our clinics, Brenton. It's often it's often the um, the specialist distance freestylers, which often appear to look like they're the sprinters. Those are the guys tending to have that sort of higher stroke rate, as I mentioned, the swinger style, and the uh, and the dis- and the sorry, and the sprinters, somebody like John O'Van Hazel, appearing to look like they would go on forever. But in fact, they're actually specialising in the in the shorter sprint distance events. So it's it's quite interesting to sort of see when you when you look at it like that. You know, um, obviously we use the term you use the term yourself. Obviously, effortless swimming. Um, that's obviously for the sprinters. Whilst they look 
you know, something like John Van Hazel looks very effortless. Obviously, we have to remind remind ourselves that he's not actually effortless. He's he's putting in a lot of effort there to actually generate the the proportion that is needed to uh, to to swim at world class speeds, etc. You know, but uh, but there we go. So yeah, that that would be one of my takes on that. But it, I think that really, again, the difference between the ideal sprinting stroke and distance stroke we see, and when we see the Olympics in a month's time, which I'm going over to the UK for, um, you know, when you line up the, in the final of the of the the fifty meter freestyle, the final of the 100 meter freestyle, the final of the 1500 meter freestyle, you, in those eight lanes, you're going to see eight different strokes, you know, and it's the swimmers optimizing their stroke for their own abilities, their own background sort of thing, their own height and build, etc., etc. And that's what you should really be looking for. And I think one of the biggest things which um, I'd encourage everyone to look out for at the Olympics is um, odds on favorite for the men's 1500 meters um, will be Sun Yang. Uh, from China, who's currently who's currently training over on the Gold Coast. There, um, just broke. He broke um, earlier last year. Broke um, Grant Hackett's world record for the fifteen hundred freestyle. He is your classic smooth, very very long smooth freestyle stroke. I believe he's six foot eight or something, um, taking around about twenty eight, twenty nine strokes per per fifty meters, and a stroke rate of around about sixty four to sixty six strokes per minute. Um, you know, really cranked it up in the last hundred meters, but. In that same event where he won the uh, the world championships, um, uh, sorry, set the world record, um, the women's winner of the 800 and 1500 freestyle, which is a special event for them there, was a lady called Lotta Fries. Um, and her stroke style couldn't be any different. It couldn't be, sorry, it couldn't be more different than, uh, than Sun Yang's, you know, and um, she was swimming with a much shorter stroke, much higher stroke rate, a very sort of classic swinger style. So it'd be interesting to sort of watch all those swimmers and just sort of, um, you know, as a swim coach, I always get asked the question, well, you know, if he swims like that, well, you know, why shouldn't I swim like that? Or will that work for me, et cetera? And it's about sort of recognizing what's, um, what's working, obviously, for that individual swimmer, and then just sort of taking an interest in that and, uh, and looking at the differences as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. You you each each swimmer will have a different technique depending on their their size, their shape, and their what their strengths and weaknesses are with their with their swimming. And um, you'll see, yeah, Sung Yang, he's got the, one of the longest strokes I think you'll ever see. It's just got a beautiful freestyle, but that's obviously not going to suit everyone. And some people need a higher stroke rate with with less kick. And um, uh, and that's one of the things I want to talk about too is the with your work with distance swimmers and triathletes, what a what are some of the, the common things that you, you teach them to do um, in order to swim a, a 400 metre plus race? Um, well, certainly, obviously, looking at the, um, we tend to look at the the, um, the balance between the, the the amount of technique work that they're doing and the amount of uh, f- pure fitness work that they're doing, and also their, uh, the, you know, if they're racing in the open water, what sort of combination of uh, open water skills are actually throwing into the equation as well. We find that many swimmers, um, you know, come into the sport. You know, the, the classic thing for a swinger to do, for example, is to only focus on the hard work because they like to actually get that burn. And very rarely, uh, we find some of like the master swimmers that we work with it and they're not really inter- that interested in doing drill and technique work but obviously trying to actually tune up and improve their catch and pull through for example for the swinger can be a very very beneficial thing and, and watching out for things like shoulder injuries because of a slightly more ballistic um, recovery action over the top of the water then that can really help um, so those guys tend to be a little bit more skewed towards the fitness angle sometimes um, they like to sort of get on with it and get onto a hard session whereas on the on the flip side of that there are a lot of swimmers out there who've been um, who've been taught, primarily the overgliders, who've been sort of taught or read that they should, you know, only focus on technique and 
don't sort of practice any hard work or don't practice any sort of struggle, if you like, until uh, until their technique is really honed. Um, but unfortunately, what that what we tend to see then is that these uh, that these swimmers tend to um, become what we affectionately know as technique hermits. So they just literally do drill after drill after drill, twenty five meters drill, stop, think about it for thirty seconds, drill twenty five minutes, <laughs> twenty five meters, stop about it for 30 seconds so clearly between those two swim types there's a little there can be a, a lack of um um what's the word balance between you know good good um technique work and attention to detail for the stroke and also um appropriate um, t- um fitness training as well um so that, yeah that's that's one of the things that we sort of really consider when we're when we're coaching the the guys for distance freestyle swimming and just ensuring as well i suppose one of the key things that we work on over here brenton um, on a weekly basis is it's sort of showing somebody, you know, identifying what their threshold pace is for 1,500 meters and then showing them how they can actually work with that, identify that pace and then work with it to actually encourage um, better pacing um, over a longer distance because that can certainly have a profound effect. And I know myself, I, I, I'm the world's biggest hypocrite when it comes to pacing. I'm, I'm, I, I stand there on the, uh, on, the, on the pool deck waving my uh, waving my thing saying you know you've got to pace yourself better you've got to pace yourself better and yet when it comes down to the crunch and the uh you know and the, and the competitive drive kicks in I'm, I'm i'm as i'm as bad as anybody at trying to control that but um equally when, <laughs> equally when i've had my best races it, it has been because i've controlled that pace awareness and um you know certainly for uh, building up for the uh, english channel last uh, last september that was a very very important part of my uh, my, my training program for myself yeah that's not an event that you want to go out too hard in is it no, <laughs> especially when you don't, you, you've got no idea how long you're going to be out there for. You know, I I, I got a really bad day. Um, we had a 35 knot headwind across to France the whole way and a three and a half meter swell. So it was, it was very, very nasty conditions. You know, and I, I was hoping um, I was in I was in very good swim shape, but just from um, 25 k's in six hours before the before the event, I was hoping. For uh, in good conditions, I get across in around about nine, maybe nine and a half hours. But it, it took me over twelve hours to get across there in those conditions. So you just never know what you're going to get when you get out there. And um, sound a little bit like Forrest Gump there, but <laughs> you, you never you literally never know what you're going to get when you're out there. And even something like you know, we're fortunate enough to have uh, the world's largest uh, channel sw- channel crossing event over here, the Rottnest Channel Swim, uh, a fantastic event. If any of your uh, Victorian listeners are over there um, interested in coming over for it. Um, even with an event like that, you know, on the difference between a good day and a bad day, even for the fastest swimmers, can be about 45, 50 minutes. And, you know, when you're trying to, when you've got these uh, goals of trying to break a time and stuff, they can rapidly fly right out the window without um, without too much too much hard work at all, you know. Yeah, that's right. Some of the, uh, two of the guys that I've um, coached in the past, Oliver Wilkinson and... Um, it's okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Ollie, and... Um, fantastic swimmer, yeah. Oh, fantastic. And he's, he just did the Lido... Forty-two point two k swim at the Lido pool um, oh, wow. over in the UK just just to raise money for the the pool. Was that Tooting Beck Lido? Was it or was that what? Sorry, what was it the Tooting Beck Lido? Uh, I'm not sure. There's a couple of them down there in the London borough. Yeah, yeah. Oliver. Yeah, Ollie uh, won the. Uh, he was second at the Ronnie Channel swim in 2011, I believe. Yeah. And um, I think um, what was the other thing? He was awarded um, swimmer of the year, I think, by H2 Open Water Magazine last year as well. Oh right, yep. Didn't he? Didn't he also set the? Um, I think he set the world record for the Manhattan Island swim last year. Yeah, he did. That's right. So uh, yeah, a, a fantastic swimmer. Yeah, no, I, I've never actually met Ollie, but um, hopefully we will at some point. We're hoping to do the um, the Manhattan Island swim ourselves. About a group of six or seven of us, if we get selected uh, for next uh, next June. 
Oh, that'd be awesome. That's, mm. uh, that's, that'd be a, a great race. Yes. Um, very, pretty big distance, but you've got the tide with you, which makes it a bit easier. That's right. That's right, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, back, back to the, uh, the pacing side of things. We're, in our training, we like to do a lot of build efforts, so you can kind of judge your pace. Uh, you can get a feeling for how hard you need to go to get that kind of pace, and you realize once you get to the, to the very high end of your, of your pacing where you're working quite hard, the, the improvements are, are quite small compared to the amount of effort you, you put in. So if you can find that, find that kind of happy medium where you're not working too hard and you're not increasing the uh, lactic acid buildup, but you, you can still hold those fast times without burning yourself out, um, that's, that's the kind of pace that you want to practice. Definitely, definitely. We've got a, uh, there's a page on our website, um, swimsmooth.com forward slash training, um, which talks about critical swim speed. Um, so basically the identification of, of exactly that point that you're talking about there, Brenton, um, threshold pace basically for about 1500 meters. And when people start to identify that, you know, it's, it's very simple to identify. You don't need to do a crazy blood lactate um, analysis sort of session or anything like that. You just do a 400-meter time trial and a 200-meter time trial, and the the uh, the 400 looks at the aerobic components of your um, of your fitness, and the 200 more the anaerobic components. And this is this is a, te- a system which has been tried and tested since the early 90s. Um, on the website, you'll you'll see that you can actually just plug in your 400 and your 200 time. It'll spit out a a pace per 100 meters, which is essentially your, the the pace that you're talking about there, or what we call uh, critical swim speed. And um, when when swimmers first start working with that, like you say, it almost seems like it's a bit slow to get um, to get uh, ac- uh, you know, beneficial um, improvements over time. But especially for the swimmers sort of being used to more sprint based training, um, doing lots of sprints, fifty meters, hundred meters, with you know thirty to forty five seconds rest between each one, uh, whereas a proper threshold type training sessions should be much much shorter recoveries working around that pace and it, they only start to become really quite solidly hard after around about a thousand meters so um every week we are, we have a um, a session which is totally dedicated to working towards that pace and last year we um sorry earlier on this year we uh, we put through um 128 swimmers in the squad um, we identified their threshold pace at the start of ten weeks um just after christmas and then Every week, we try to actually make that speed 0.5 percent faster, which only equates to it equates to around about um, two tenths of a second per 25 meters. Using a uh, fitness tempo trainer, the, the swimmers were then sort of encouraged to hold at a slightly faster pace each week. So so marginal was that improvement that they hardly even noticed it um, each week as they were getting fitter and faster, etc. And across the group, we saw uh, an average improvement of just um, just on three percent, basically, uh, in their threshold pace, which over ten weeks is is a substantial improvement. You know, and like you say, it's a great pace. It's a great pace to sort of think of as as like your base pace for a hard session. And obviously. That's not to deter you from doing um, intervals faster than that, or you know, working paces slightly slower than that. But it it should every athlete or every swimmer should really know what that pace is and uh, use that as a bit of a benchmark for for most of their sessions, really. Yeah, that's that's uh, really good. And it pays to be specific in your training and and know what times you're working towards. We do a lot of uh, stuff targeted towards the hundreds and two hundreds because we're we're more a competitive uh, yep. pool swimming uh, club, but um, yeah, we'd like to work towards, say, your 100 back-end speed or your 200 speed. So the last 50 of your 100, you want to yep. target that time. So we might do, say, 10.50s on a minute 30, so where you're getting more rest, um, but you need to hit that 
that hundred back end speed. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah you, you, you're totally right. Like I say, the the majority of the swimmers in my uh, triathletes in my squad are looking at like longer distance stuff. So had had we had we um, developed the program a little bit more, like you're saying there, for like hundreds and two hundreds, then yeah, we'd be following a completely different sort of uh, sort of program. But like you say, Brenton, it's important just to sort of identify what distance you're going for, the specificity of that, and um, what you need to train for. Because I, I, I remember as a as a kid, you know. Um, uh, maybe it's on some of the sessions I'd be doing, you know, I had been sort of specialising more on the longer distance stuff, then some of the shorter, faster stuff wouldn't have worked, and vice versa. You know, there's no point doing the all the long, steady stuff if you want to be sprinting. You know, so it's about getting that balance and addressing that balance uh, correctly. You know. Yeah, that, that's it, and uh, that kind of leads us into um, f- favourite sets. What's what's probably your favourite distance set that you like to do with some of your triathletes and, and open water guys? Yeah, we, 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 I actually wrote a blog about this last week. We called it the uh, the Red Mist set, and it's um, it's not a set which I've created, but basically the, the term Red Mist came because the guys tried it last week, and it's a set which I personally do every Monday morning by myself, and it's simply 10 times 400 metres, arguably the world's most boring swimming set, um, but one which is very, very challenging, especially if you get the pacing absolutely spot on. Um, so we called it a red mist because during that session we had about, I think it was about 36, 37 people down to that session. And there were a lot of grumpy faces during that swim. Um, people getting snappy and irritable with each other and stuff. And just and basically when, when you put yourself under pressure like that to do a, a really challenging distance freestyle set, you're going to feel like you're right on the rivet like that. And, uh, and that's essentially what happened during the day. So I decided to call it, we call it the, the red mist set. And essentially it's a, it's a series of 10 times 400 meters with approximately only 20 seconds rest between each one um the way i do it personally is i'll i'll do um the first four 400s um at a pace of 120 per 100 i'll then do the next three at the pace of 119 per 100 the next two at 118 per 100 and the last one at 117 per 100 meters and i'll get around about like say around about 15 20 seconds rest between each one so there's not a lot of rest and recovery at all and it's it, it's as much of a psychological set as it is a um as a, a as a, a physically hard set basically and you're, you're sort of trying to manage your stroke you're trying to maintain the best possible technique and form that you can do throughout that set so, so as not to actually drop off and um i've been personally been doing that I, i've been doing that for years and years every monday morning that's what we used to do over at bath university and i used to personally absolutely hate it and dread it and not want to do it whatsoever but it was simply because it was a weaker area of my own performance at that time you know i'd grown up with more of like a sprinting background i hated doing the distance stuff because i wasn't very good at good at it and i found like my pace would drop off but now i sort of relish that challenge and, and sort of recognizing the fact that okay Maybe back then I wasn't particularly pacing myself well. Maybe my stroke was falling apart. Maybe I was setting off too quickly, etc. So that, that's one of my favourite uh, distance freestyle sets. It's very basic, you know, and it's, it's certainly like I say, it's not something which I've invented. It's something which coaches have been using for years and years and years. But it's um, it's very much we, when you speak to most distance freestylers, it's very much at the at the cornerstone. Something anywhere between ten and fifteen four hundreds at around about that sort of pace. Um, you know, which would equate to um, on the first set of four about your threshold pace plus about six seconds per hundred. So for me at the moment, threshold pace being around about the one fourteen per hundred marker. So plus six seconds, one twenty per hundred, and then sort of working down from there. Um, in terms of the favourite sprint set, um, again, this is not one of mine. It's it's one which we've uh, which I've been doing for years and years and years, passed on 
through the coaching uh, coaching fraternity, if you like. Um, supposedly, this was a, uh, a Grant Hackett set, um, and I'm not sure if that's um, if that's true or not. But um, it's basically a series of 40 times 50 meters, and it's it, it's a speed set, but it's also a speed endurance set because um, it, basically the, the set itself is it's 40 times 50 meters broken down as 16 times 50 meters where you have to make the very tight turnaround time. And on every fourth interval, you need to try and sprint. And because of the tight turnaround time on that first set of 16, um, which you know uh, would be, let's say, turnaround time of 45 seconds, so you may be getting um, three or four seconds rest between each one, the, ter- the, the difference in your speed between the, just making it and actually sprinting is going to be very, very limited. Um, but the next 1250s, you then add five seconds of recovery, but you sprint a little bit more frequently. So you, you sprint every third 50 meters. The, we then do 850s, add another five seconds of recovery, but you sprint every second 50 meters, and then finally finish off with 450s, sprinting every one. And by that point, you're adding, you've added 15 seconds, um, a total of 15 seconds extra to the, uh, to the recovery time to allow you to actually get faster as you go throughout the set. So that's one of my favourite sets. It's maybe not a, a pure sprint set. Um, like I say, if, I was, if most of my swimmers were more in the uh, in the bracket of 50 to 200 metres competitive swimmers, then we'd go for a lot longer recoveries. We'd aim to go a lot faster than that. But um, that is quite a nice little sprint set to sort of uh, throw in there and, and challenge the swimmers, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we do something very similar to that where we do, it depends on how much time we've got and things like that, but... You know, we'll do anywhere from thirty to to fifty fifties, yep. and uh, we'll usually we'll usually have them all on fifty. But we might go every fourth one fast, and then we'll go every third one fast, every two, and then yep. every one. And uh, it, it is good for the open water because you need to be able to sprint when you're doing open water to to make a break or to stay up with the pack or get on someone's feet. You still need that speed. You can't just have that that slow aerobic pace. Um, you need that, that speed as well. Yeah, definitely, and that, that's particularly true at the uh, at the pointy end of the field. I mean, we've been um, doing some video analysis and work with um, a swimmer over here called Reese Maidstone, who won the uh, Australian 10K Championships at, at Champion Lakes over here in WA. We don't actually coach Reese, but we've we've been doing some work with his uh, coach Mel Tantrum, and um, we um, one of the th- I'm very much a gadget geek, and we we got um, Reese to actually wear a Garmin GPS uh, underneath his swimming cap during the state 10k championships, which he won uh, quite convincingly. Uh, he won the 10k. His average pace was just under 107 per 100 meters for 100 hundreds in a row for 10k's, which is just it's just incredibly quick. But what was really interesting was the you know the first couple of hundred meters they set off 104s, 104s, and then it slowed right down to about 115s per 100 meters. You know, and um, the, there was a group of maybe about 15, 20 guys all still together. And then at, at the 5k marker, uh, Reese and um, Trent. Uh, yeah, Trent Grimsey, sorry, yes, uh, apologies, apologies to Grim- <laughs> Trent for not remembering but fantastic swimmer, but the two guys, we were actually filming them at the same time, and um, Trent came through at the 5k marker with, with Reese right next to him, they'd made a little bit of a surge break by themselves, and I've actually got it on video with Trent actually turning to Reese and says, he shouts, come on, Tr- come on, Reese, let's work together, and you see them actually drafting off each other for that next five kilometers, and it's fantastic, but when we look back at the data, we saw that the way they actually forged that gap um, uh, with, from the guys behind them at the 5k marker was they put in a period of 450 meters at an average pace of 102.5 per hundred just so it just smashed the guys it just absolutely smacked them around basically you know, for, you know they, they, they've been swimming for the best part of an hour 
and then all of a sudden these t- the two top guys in the in Australia smack them for 400 meters and they and everyone's gone like it's carnage behind them basically and yeah you know, and the, then they obviously work together they settle back in and then the final lap is just them two going head to head against each other and on that occasion Reese beat Trent um, but it was literally by like a couple of hundredths of a second so it was a fantastic event to watch and like you say you know at the point end of the field those guys definitely need to know how to how to surge and, and cope with that. Yeah, and that just goes to show you need to be able to pick up your speed within a race, especially if you're picking it up by 13 seconds over 100. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible, basically, you know. And, um, you know, those guys, if they, if they were doing a time trial by themselves, then arguably they would, uh, they would just sit at a constant pace. You know, Reese would probably just average out 107 per 100 metres. But um, when it comes down to the competition, trying to get people off your feet, etc., then and that's the, that's the deal. And, you know, thinking back to the Beijing Olympics with uh, David Davies leading out, pretty much 9,000 and about 800 metres of the 10,000 metre swim, um, you know, um, with everyone else drafting behind him. Unfortunately, just, he just didn't have that turn to, turn of speed to actually shake them off his feet. And when drafting gives you up to anywhere up to eight, 38% of the energy savings, you know, it's very, very hard to actually break somebody without, without a massive surge like that. And, and recent Trent were clearly able to do that in the, uh, in the state championships. Mm. And, and you said you're a bit of a gadget geek. What are some of the toys and accessories that you like to use in training? Yeah, well, um, we, uh, I'm hoping you don't mind me but endorsing a company here, but one of the companies that we, um, that we really find the, the gadgets to be very, very useful are, is the uh, company called Finis, or Finesse, um, depending on how you want to pronounce that. They're based over in California. Uh, they produce some really good um, good training tools, etc. Often, you know, often independent coaches have come up with some of the ideas for developing these these products, and they've gone to Finis and they've helped them sort of uh, take that uh, take those ideas even further. So, in terms of that, what they do uh, and what we like, arguably one of my favourite pieces of tools uh, tools is the uh, Finis Tempo Trainer Pro. Um, this is a little gadget which allows you to work on things like stroke rate and also your pacing as well. So the sets where I was mentioning earlier on, you know, where you're trying to sort of pace yourself out at exactly 119 per 100 meters, that breaks down to uh, a pace of 19.75 seconds per 25 meters. So all I do is I simply set it to 19.75, stick it underneath my cap, wait for it to be set off. And each 25-meter mark, I just make sure that I'm actually there on pace each time. And for somebody like myself, who, like I said before, who has that competitive urge to go too quick too soon, um, it's a great uh, controlling agent in that respect. So we love uh, we love working with those. Um, I also like uh, the freestyler paddles, um, which are shaped like an arrowhead um, with a single strap for the middle finger. These are paddles themselves over the years have had a, a bit of a bad reputation for call, causing shoulder injury, whereas in actual fact, it's not usually the paddle that causes injury. It's poor technique combined with the resistance of a larger surface area of the paddle, especially when it's absolutely, you know, bound, bang, uh, sorry, binded to the palm of your hand with millions and millions of straps. So the, um, the spear paddle of the, uh, the finished freestyle is great because unless the hand enters into the water correctly, it, ten- it has a tendency to fall off. So it's a very good feedback mechanism for the uh, swimmer to ensure that they're, um, that they're getting that hand entry correct into the water. Uh, what else do we like? Um, with all, we encourage all our swimmers to have, obviously, the essentials like uh, fins. We do a lot of fins work. We don't do too much specific uh, pure kicking work, uh, but we do do a lot of work, i.e. kicking on the side and those sort of things which actually develop the swimmer's uh, kicking ability and efficiency, especially if they've got stiff ankles, using the flippers to help to 
promote the ankle flexibility works really well we find uh, and again like i say we're you know for most of my swimmers the more distance freestyling so i'm not really looking for an overtly propulsive freestyle leg kick in that sense um pull boy um standard piece of kit i guess and um and what else um there's a new paddle that Finnis had just brought out called uh, the Agility Paddle. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's quite a cool um, paddle in that it's got a slot for your thumb to slide through, so there's no straps. Um, it's designed similar similar sort of concept to the Freestyler in that if you're doing something wrong with your stroke, it'll fall off and feel really bad. If you're doing something right with your stroke, it'll feel fantastic. And uh, this is working specific, aimed to work specifically on the uh, on the high elbow catch underneath the water. And we yeah, we really like those paddles as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, some some good good toys there. Do you do you use a snorkel at all? Um, yes, I do. Um, depending on the on the again what I'm trying to work on with the swimming. One of the things I like about the snorkel, um, and also uh, just simple sets like you know um, many coaches call it hypoxic breathing. You know, breathing three, five, seven, or even every nine strokes. We try not to we try to encourage the swimmers not to hold on to the breath when they're doing that. And obviously, if they're wearing a snorkel then they can just sort of breathe freely whenever they do. But one of the nice things about the snorkel and those longer um, uh, infrequent breathing sets is that it just allows the swimmer to obviously focus on the stroke a little bit longer before they, you know, before they go to take a breath in and, and sort of disrupt the rhythm of the stroke. And what we often find, and I'm sure you know, I'm sure you find this yourself, Brenton, is that you know, if there's going to be a point in the stroke when the stroke will fall apart, it will always be when the swimmer goes to take a breath. Usually, they drop their arm or push down against the water, or the legs will scissor kick apart, or they'll cross over in front of the head. Most of these inefficiencies that we see on a daily basis always occur during that breathing phase. So using the using the snorkel um, is not designed to obviously mask that, but it's designed to allow the swimmer to actually just have a, a continuously uninterrupted period of time where they can focus on things like body rotation and the catch and those sort of things. And similarly with the uh, with the um, in inverted commas the hypoxic training sets as well, they can they can work on that. Yeah, that's uh, we've. I've just made all my swimmers get a snorkel this year because we we use them in a kick because we did quite a bit of kick um, for our speed work. Yeah, um, but it's also good for for doing some drills like uh, single arm freestyle where the swimmer doesn't need to breathe. Yes, and, um, and just really concentrate on what the drills designed for. Totally, totally. Yeah, we do find we obviously find. I'm sure some of you swimmers find this as well. That some swimmers feel a little bit claustrophobic with them, especially if they're a little bit less advanced in their swimming capabilities. Yeah, they have trouble. I'm uh, having trouble convincing them to use them at the moment. For some of them, they just uh, don't don't like the, the feeling, or they haven't gotten used to it yet. No, absolutely. It's, it's definitely, yeah, it definitely does feel a little bit claustrophobic in there. But yeah, once once uh, a swimmer breaks through that and sort of just learns to relax a little bit with it, then then it can really help. And obviously, things like nose clips and stuff can assist um, if the if the coach wants to uh, wants to uh, to utilise those. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to ask is what's what kind of ratio. Uh, do you like to have between fitness and technique in your training sessions? Do you vary based on your swimmers or, or what they're training for? That's a really good question, and that, that's really the basis of. Uh, if you don't mind, my, a self plug here. Um, we just released our, or just published our very first book, um, the complete guide to uh, to swim coaching for triathletes and swimmers, swim smooth basically. And um, the book is actually split up into three parts basically. Uh, the first. Uh, main part of the book sort of focuses primarily on the on the technical aspect of freestyle swimming and how to develop that. The second part on 
uh, developing swim-specific fitness, and then the third part's developing open water-specific skills. So within any training session that we do here in, in Perth, I always encourage the swimmers that there will always be a certain percentage of each of those aspects within the uh, within a given session, but then on a uh, on a weekly basis we have twelve squad sessions over here, and each one has a different focus. So, for example, tomorrow morning I'll be turning up and taking the guys for a uh, a longer endurance session, something similar to those ten four hundreds. That's primarily focused on the half Ironman guys and the. Um, and the, um, and the and the Ironman athletes and those swimming open water. So tomorrow's session will be primarily focused on you know pace awareness, pace judgment. Um, but it'll be it'll be primarily a harder physical training session. So the the actual pure technique work that we do in that session, my drills will be very very limited. Um, but the amount of physical training will be you know much much more of a, a of a focus. Whereas compare that with a Monday morning, we do very little continuous freestyle swimming, although it will be there as a, con- as a proportion, maybe 20%, but 80% of that session will be primarily drills working on, in, on developing uh, form and technique, etc. So like I say, every session that we do, we try to have a, um, a percentage, a certain percentage of each of those three aspects. Um, but each session, depending on the goals of the swimmer, of the session, etc., um, just varies slightly. But one of the nice things about the about the squad is that we try we keep all of those sessions the same each week. So the session itself will be different, but the focus of each session will always be exactly the same. So the swimmers know exactly what they're going to get when they turn up, and, uh, and correspondingly they can choose or be guided by myself about which session is going to be most appropriate for them, for them given their goals and aspirations, etc. Yeah, I like that, and that's what we've done with the squad as well. Our Monday's normally our, our distance day, Wednesday's sprint, Thursday yeah. and Saturday are a mix, and it, it might vary just depending on what competitions we've got coming up. But yeah. uh, if the swimmers sort of know what they're know what to expect when they get there, then they're more mentally prepared for the set, and so, you get the swimmers who, who want to be there um, more than the ones who turn up and they're they're just solely sprinters and they don't want to do distance. So, that's right. Um, yeah, that's it's, uh, it's a good good way to do it, I think. Definitely. I mean, it obviously makes sense, obviously, to do it like that. And um, again, I think back to the times when I've maybe been in a squad where that hasn't been the focus on. Maybe the coaches tried to sort of, um, you know, have every single session completely different, almost, you know, almost hoping that the variety will um, give people um, more enjoyment. But sometimes too much um, variety like that can, it can just sort of seem that the, the program itself as a whole is a little bit disjointed without any clear focus and like you say you know the, the having the attitude um for a, a, a given training session is so so important like you know if the guys turned up tomorrow morning thought they were going to do a technique session and i, I hammered them with a, a longer harder um red mist sort of session then they're going to be yeah they're going to be pretty upset and some, some of them probably won't complete the session you know so and vice versa obviously yeah that's it and and the same goes with um depending on what the set is but I like to sort of let them know if if it's going to be a, a quite a challenging set. I might let them know a few days in advance what this what the session actually is, so they can get themselves prepared for it. And, uh, and that's what we did with we had a hell week where we sort of up the intensity and up the distance for a week and just really push ourselves uh, for for one week of training. And yep. I I told them I gave them the uh, the general outline of of each of the sessions. Before they before they got there, so that they knew what to expect, and they they came there ready to, to work hard for a specific um, uh, part of their part of their um, fitness. 
Yeah, I, I like that a lot, Brenton. It's, it's that, like I say, having that attitude sort of thing and, and knowing what you're up for, up against. I think it's so so important for that preparation, especially with, like you say with a, with a hell week like that. Having the the uh, you know they know it's going to be hard, but how hard is hard, and just being prepared for it psychologically uh, can make a, make all the difference. Obviously, you're going to get a few swimmers who are going to be a little bit intimidated by by knowing what what's coming up, and some swimmers just you know you might hand them tell them what they're going to do or hand them send them an email and they might not they might choose not to read it because they you know they prefer not to know yeah. <laughs> but obviously that's that's then up to them and um I, I i personally also feel like it's it's important to be prepared for for, for a um a, a specific uh, focus like that mm. well, the thursday session that we did was a 10k session for the, the oh. faster guys and so i told them two weeks out i said look thursday how week it's gonna be a 10k session come prepared and we got I think the turnout was you know 10 20% more because people just enjoy the challenge they knew what was coming and the uh, the completion was huge we had um, pretty much everyone uh, pretty much everyone who turned up they made the distance that we set out to do so it was uh, it was awesome to watch yeah t- totally you know it's it's um it is amazing when when given that challenge sort of thing. When I when I first set up the the way our Wednesday session, this Red Mist session, has only been running uh, maybe about the last three years out of out of five that the the current squad has been running. So when we introduced it, I wasn't sure whether or not it was going to be popular at all because I, I thought, oh, this is going to be if I advertise it, it's going to be hard. People are not going to want to turn up and do a hard session. No. <laughs> But in, in, com, com, in com, complete contrast to that, it's now our most popular session of the week because people sort of see the value in it. They can sort of see how it complements the other technique work that you do during the week. And uh, and you know, and like I was saying before, you know, it's important to get that balance right. You know, drills and stuff, drills and pure technique work are going to only take you so far. Just like pure fitness work or thrashing up and down the pool sort of thing will only take you so far. It's, it's important to get that nice balance um, between the two and 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 open all the skills as well if necessary. Mm. And uh, and you touched on some of the products that that you've got available through Swim Smooth. What where do you recommend most people start? Um, it's a good question. I mean, certainly having uh, having a browse at the uh, Swim. Um, I mean, our, our main website. We've got a lot of free information on there for for people trying to identify what uh, what they can do to make a bit of a difference. Each week, we um, we blog um, through our feelforthewater.com website. Which uh, we've currently got sixty six thousand subscribers um, on that, so it's a it's a huge it's a huge blog list that goes out every Friday afternoon, and um, we send out like a, a one tip a week basically on that, just to sort of yeah, it's maybe something that I've been working on over here in Perth, and we decide you know that would be a useful focal point for people to sort of work on over the next week. Um, so that you know that's some sources of free information. We've also got the Swim Types website, swimtypes.com, which is worth looking at and sort of trying to identify your type. Uh, looking at the videos, we've just put up um, a new um, YouTube clip for each of the swim types, which is like a um, what's the best way, of, like a summary of each of the types, just sort of showing how they uh, how the stroke sort of interacts and you sort of see that you'll recognise yourself in one of those swim types. Um, but in terms of the, of the products, yeah, we have the we still have this. Um, Swim Smooth DVD uh, box set, which uh, contains uh, an eight-week training program in there. We have uh, more recently um, released the Catch Masterclass DVD, which primarily looks at the, the catch phase of the freestyle stroke, and that's all shot over here in Perth in beautiful HD footage. Um, we also have a, a Learn to Swim DVD for those people who are just purely new to swimming and have never maybe swum a stroke of freestyle before. Uh, we've got training plans, waterproof training plans on the website, which are primarily focused at triathletes, um, building up for um, either sprint distance or half or full Ironman distance triathlon. 
And then uh, we also sell um, a select range of um, training tools, primarily from Finis, which we've yeah, which we've tried and tested. You know, it'd be, it'd be very easy to turn the whole website into a, into a swim shop, but we want to ensure that the type of products that we offer out there are, are products which I've personally used, my squad have personally used on a day-to-day basis, and they're products which work. So, um, you know, you'll notice that we don't have the complete range of, of certain manufacturers' stock, and it's, it's purely because we, we're only putting out there what we truly believe is, is working for the, uh, for the swimmer. Oh, and that's fantastic, and I think the, that's the best way to prove something works is to just go through it yourself and, and only, only teach what you do, and, uh, and that's exactly what you guys do, which is fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So, um, so feelforthewater.com for for weekly free tips. Yep. And then you've got your swimtypes.com to um, to find out which kind of which type of swimmer you are, and then what what plan of action to to take to yep. um, go to improve it. And then swimsmooth.com's got the the range of other DVDs and the the toys and accessories that you um, promote there. That's right. Yeah, that's got a whole section. Um, it's just swimsmooth.com forward slash know how. Um, and it's basically uh, like a, 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 a resource, if you like, for um, for swimmers just sort of wanting to know general information about what makes an efficient freestyle stroke, and give them some tips and ideas on on how to improve their training aspect, etc. And really, the, the 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 book which we just published uh, through uh, publishing company Wiley and Sons from New York, um, that's that's very much like a, a bringing together of all the resources it includes the swim types it includes um, our focus on technique and training and also open water skills etc and it's also got a, a very comprehensive um, training program um, um, schedule at the back of the uh, back of the book in the appendix there which encourages we've basically gone through and sort of identified our six very best warm-up sessions our six very best build sets our six very best um, endurance sessions and the swimmers are actually then encouraged to sort of select one of the six warm-ups one of the six build sets one of the six main sets and uh, piece them all together and in theory that should give you over five thousand different training sessions if you work all the different combinations and um, you know each what each of those six swim sessions uh, or like six warm-ups there's one specifically tailored towards the arnies one specifically tailored towards the overgliders etc etc so um we we're um, getting some really good feedback about that it's only been out two weeks and um it's already it's um, gone to its second print run and sold out to amazon so uh, we're very happy about that so uh, but check it out on the web on the swim smooth website we've uh, still got a few a uh, few copies over in the uk to, to post off to people awesome and if any, if anyone uh, listening to this wants to buy a copy of, of any of your products, then just send me an email, effortlesssupport.com, and I'll, uh, I'll throw in a bonus. Uh, it might be how week workouts, or I'll, uh, I'll put together a list of things that I can add in as a bonus for uh, for anyone who, who buys any Swim Smooth products because I think you guys are doing a fantastic job. Now, I, I've watched a lot of your YouTube videos as well, and I see you do a lot of really good analysis uh, of, of triathlete strokes and um, and you just put them up and, and talk people through some of the different things that they're doing, and um, they're really educational. So I think you guys are doing uh, such a great job, and I, I highly encourage uh, everyone to go and look at your website. Thanks very much, Brenton. That's very much appreciated. And uh, mutual uh, mutual respect to yourself, mate, with what you're doing over there in uh, in Victoria. Yeah, thanks, Paul. And and if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how do they how do they do that? Um, they, I mean, they can contact me directly um, I, through my email address, which is just simply swimsmooth, or rather uh, paul at swimsmooth.com. Um, so that's probably the easiest way. But we also have a, a, a chat forum as well. So um, all our 
our registered coaches, etc., all contribute to that forum. So that's just simply swimsmoothforum.com. So that's a good way to sort of um, ask questions within the, the swimsmooth community, if you like. Um, and we've also got um, you can follow us on on Twitter as well. Swimsmooth Paul is my um, is my tag thing. I'm getting quite into Twitter these days. <laughs> it's quite a good quite a good source for uh, just you know putting up um, ideas that I've maybe had over a training session or you know occasionally we talk about other things like the Tour de France and current current affairs and those sort of things. But um, you know it's uh, it's a it's a great medium that's for sure. Awesome. Thanks again, Paul. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Not a problem at all. Thanks, Brenton. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.